Welcome back to the Bare Knuckle Nonsense Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Blue Chew. Guys, did you know that one in two men after the age of 50 experiences erectile dysfunction? And 75% of those who, do, who have erectile dysfunction, or ED as they call it, do not seek treatment. Well, fellas, let me tell you something. There's a new product out there called Blue Chew. It comes in blue chewable tablets that you take right before you get busy. It's a lot like Viagra. It has the same active ingredients as Viagra. And right now, if you use the code BKN at checkout at bluechew.com, you can get free shipping on your first order. Again, that is BKN, promo code BKN at bluechew.com. Check them out. I know Brock uses a lot of Blue Chew, um, and it seems to work. Do you have a personal endorsement? Yeah, dude. I uh, They reached out to me about a, a month ago or so, and so now we're sponsors, bro, but you know, got to get gotta get it up, got to get it going. You never get it up, you can't shoot, so why not? <laughs> there you have it, our first sponsor. So go ahead and go check out bluechew.com forward slash BKN and save on that shipping on your first order. All right, Brock. So we just saw a great fight at the weekend with the uh, UFC Fight Nine Thompson versus Holland. Um, this is probably one of the more entertaining fight nights I've seen in quite a long time. Um, in fact, I thought it was more entertaining than a lot of the pay-per-views that we saw um, this year. And uh, from top to bottom, just great fights all around. Um, so I know we'll get into uh, probably we'll just probably go through the whole card just to get get through it. Um, I saw just about every fight. Um, I, I might have missed the first two, um, so I'll let you uh, jump in on those real quick. Yeah, dude, this fight this this card felt like a pay per view. Um, it had a full full packed arena, um, solid fighters throughout the lineup. So yeah, starting off the night you had Yasmin can't pronounce her last name, but uh, Jaruji. I'll, I'll go with that. Improves to ten and zero with a knockout in the women's strawweight division in round two. So solid fight. Um, she almost got her out of there and won, but she was saved because it was going into the last ten seconds and mm-hmm. she rolled over. I believe. I believe that's the one I watched in here. And Daniel was in there yelling. Gotcha. <laughs> but um, <laughs> then the next one was um, Francis Marshall. Improved to seven and zero. By knockout. So first two fights, starting the card off with knockouts. Can't complain there. I know last uh, uh, last podcast we talked about how uh, we like watching uh, Marcelo Rojo fight, um, and that we we kind of thought it might be a tough test for Francis Marshall, and I still think it was. Um, obviously, uh, Francis Marshall is coming off. It, this is his first official fight in UFC. He originally was uh, a part of the. Uh, one of the seasons on Dana White Contender Series, um, where he earned a co- contract against uh, Matthews. He won a unanimous decision there. Um, this fight was not one-sided by any means. I mean, total strikes for Rojo was 48 to uh, Marshall's 29. Um, Marshall had one takedown to none, um, which ended up, um, you know, causing the end of the fight. Really, so um, a great win for Mr. Marshall and. Uh, Mr. Rojo falls to sixteen and ten, um, so I know his. That's that's not a record you see very often in the UFC. Um, we even touched on that a couple fight nights ago with uh, Lewis versus Spivak, which ended up turning into uh, into Chekwu versus Kutelaba. Um, with Chase Sherman, he also had a sixteen and ten record. He lost and ended up being sixteen and eleven. So, um, yeah, be interesting to see where uh, Mr. Rojo goes from here. But a great. Uh, debut for uh, <clears throat> for Francis Marshall, so yeah, yeah. No, I like. I know he's sixteen and ten. Is that what we said, Marcelo mm-hmm. Rojo? But he's a fun fighter to watch. He's one of those fighters that I enjoy watching him because he's always in a decent fight. He, he comes to scrap, but he just can't seem to get on the the right side of the bout. He always seems to drop him. But <clears throat> speaking of dropping him, hopefully he doesn't get dropped because, like you said, I like I like watching him, but. Uh, yeah, we'll see what Dana does with that one, too. Yeah, he's going to have to win his next fight, though. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't have a choice. No. Um, so, uh, moving on to the next fight. Man, we had a banger here, and it was very one-sided. So, uh, 
we had uh, <clears throat> we had Jonathan Pierce facing off against the damaged Darren Elkins. Um, this was a typical Darren Elkins fight. I think he was bleeding in the, the like the first ten seconds of the fight. Yeah. Um, like I know you got damage written on your chest, but you ain't got to wear it on your face. It's a terrible tattoo too. Oh, it, it looks it, it it looks like Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> stitched together. Um, tattoo. So this fight was great. Um, but, uh, really Darren Elkins kind of stole the show just by the amount of punishment that he could take. Um, I know we've seen it time and time again, but it never ceases to amaze me. Um, the lack of quitting him. I mean, even in that, um, in that last round, he was charging forward blood all over him. His blood was all over Pierce and he still, you know, fought to the bitter end. Um, he took a lot of shots in this fight. He took 154, with 110 of those being significant strikes. He actually landed 67 strikes. But, um, yeah, I mean, just an absolute bloody war. Elkins falls to 28 and 11, and Pierce moves to 14 and 4. I thought Pierce looked like looked like a stud out there. Yeah, no, he did look solid. And I, I was sitting there waiting the whole time, waiting for Elkins to, to turn something on. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he gets hit a lot. You expect that, but sometimes he finds a way to... Yeah, and we saw that. Um, the reason why you can't count Darren Elkins out is because, you know, um, with the Mirsad Bektik fight that he had a few years ago, um, it was a similar beating that he was taking, and he ended up um, folding um, Mirsad. Um, knocked him out cold, even, like, fell straight down on his head, um, had his legs in between, or had his head in between his legs. So um, you can never count Darren Elkins out. Um, Darren Elkins is, is actually 38 now, and he's still, you know, fighting. He's one of the fighters out of Team Alpha Male. I was so. about to ask, how long do you think he's got left in, or do you think that was his last fight? We'll see him. I, I mean, I, I definitely don't think he's anywhere near retiring. I mean, you, you know, there's definitely always going to, at a certain point, he's kind of capped out, right? Um. Title's kind of out of the picture. Oh, for sure. Um, I don't think he'll make another run at the belt. Um, you know, we saw him have a pretty good run of things in 2018, 2019, but, um, no, I just don't think he doesn't, I just don't think he has the talent, um, to reach, um, onward and upward into the division. Um, with his interview though, I mean, and the way he was acting, I just don't think he's done it all. And I think he's always a fighter that, that fans love and, um, he always brings the energy and it's always going to be an entertaining fight. And I think it's a, a fight that younger prospects can build their resume on because that name Darren Elkins mm -hmm. um, so yeah he may be around a little longer and I still think he'd be a tough test for a lot of fighters on the roster but I mean my goodness Jonathan Pierce just looked like an absolute animal out there I think he was starting to tire at the end because he was like my, I've thrown everything yeah I've thrown the whole toolbox at him I, I nothing is nothing's working I can't put him away um, but he ended up getting the unanimous decision win um, 30-27 with one 30-26 um, across the board. Um, so it was a great performance by Mr. Pierce. Um, and uh, this was kind of just kind of a appetizer to the rest of the card, to be honest. So um, moving on to the next fight, um, we had Michael Johnson versus Mark Diakese. Um This is the one that you called. Yeah, so I was really excited about this fight, um, mainly because of the odds. Um, <clears throat> Michael Johnson was um, like a plus 300, plus 220 underdog, and I really like the odds in this fight. Um, the reason why is because it seems like Mark Diacasey cannot um, put together a winning streak. He seems like he'll win two and then lose two, win two, lose two. Um, he started out his UFC career 3-0 um, with some spectacular performances, um, but he just is, you know, just can't seem to really put it together to... Uh, you know, make her crack into the top 15 in the uh, lightweight division. And uh, I really thought Michael Johnson was not a good matchup for him because Michael Johnson is a very experienced fighter. Um, he's fought the likes of, you know, Clay Guida, Nate Diaz, Dustin Poirier. I mean, famously knocked out Dustin Poirier. Um, he's fought a who's who in the UFC. And uh, I think the experience definitely came into play here. I thought Mark Casey was also kind of dancing around the cage too much. A little too much with the antics, in my opinion. It wasn't, the focus wasn't there, in my and, opinion. And it was odd to me that, that the way he carried after the fight, he thought he won. I was like, it was pretty obvious he lost, but. Well, you do have, you're, you're blinded by your output, right? So, you know, after you fight a three-round war, you feel good about yourself. 
you're happy it's over. And a lot of fighters, I feel like, are you know, I'm not not really aware um, of, how of how things went. In fact, we see a lot of times where um, the corner, um, well, goodness gracious, we're breaking news. Yeah. Uh, we just had an update on uh, Brock's phone that TJ Dillashaw is retiring. Yeah. Can you click on that story so we can look at that? And I'll talk a little bit more about um, the spite real quick. But, um, yeah, it just seemed like, uh, I thought Mark Casey won the first round. Um, two judges also agreed, but then Michael Johnson just steady and won the race, basically. So he won rounds two and three, in my opinion. He finished with 83 total strikes, 83 of those. So he was 100% on significant strikes. So that was pretty impressive. But also, Mark Casey was 100% on significant strikes. I don't know if I've ever seen two opponents have 100% on significant strikes, but uh, Mark Casey finished with 55. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, fighter, not a single fighter landed a takedown. It was just kind of those point battles. And, uh, I think I was a little more feeling like Michael Johnson was going to clip him with an overhand at some point, but it just never happened. But nonetheless, uh, Michael Johnson, uh, moves to 22 and 18 in the UFC. Um, probably one of my favorite fighters. I say the menace. Yeah. So. And in that fight, he put together a lot of combos that I thought was going to, like you said, finish, uh, uh, what's his name? Mark D. Casey. Yeah, D. Casey. And uh, there was one combo, I think it was in the second round. I don't know if it dropped him, but it you could tell his legs went out. Like, yeah, like he was wobbly for a second. Yeah. And it just it, it just seemed like, I feel like fighters almost use this. They feel like it's an advantage. Like, they'll get hit with something, and they'll smile and, you know, wag their finger and stick their tongue out, almost like, oh, that didn't hurt me at all. But, dude, that counts on the judge's scorecard, and it definitely showed here. Um, you look like a fool almost, you know, if you lose a unanimous decision, you're in there playing with your opponent. Yeah. It looks and it was a unanimous decision. It wasn't like a raw. There was 30-27. It was 30-27 on one of them. So, so. Um, just kind of a weird fight. Um, I, I don't know where Mark Casey needs to go from here because um, it seems like he needs, I don't want to say an attitude change. I don't know the guy. I don't know his work ethic at all to be able to say that. But, I mean, certainly it looked like a lack of focus. Yeah, you got to be like you mean business when you go you have to be a killer it's one thing to be winning the fight and taunting but when you're losing the fight or I'm I'm not here for I'm not here for taunting at all I mean obviously when the Diaz's do it it's great but I feel like every fighter tries to be Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz out there and I'm sorry but you're not no you're fighting on the undercard on the fight night you have something to prove and I feel like he left a lot out there on the table so and we'll get to get to that when we talk about the main event. Mm-hmm. Kevin Holland mm-hmm. used his fight IQ. Maybe he would take a takedown, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, I'm gonna hit on this TJ Dillashaw retirement. So, Mark, how do you pronounce that dude? Ramondi, Ramondi, um, Ramondi. I always see him posting stuff on you. Yeah, he's one of the he's one of the upper echelon MMA reporters. Mark Ramondi is reporting that. Uh, uh, yeah, former bantamweight champion TJ Dillashaw has retired from the UFC, according to his agent Tiki Gashan, and supposedly more is coming on ESPN. That was all that was in that article. Uh, it was just a recap in the, the, twi- the t- tweet on Twitter from Mark. Well, I mean, he wouldn't have released that if it wasn't true. No, he's he's well on source. Yeah, like, this is not this is not just some MMA, you know, Instagram channel that posts a picture of it. Yeah, no, if it comes from Mark or Ariel Hawani, usually it's legit. So. Or like a Brad Akimoto or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. That is wild. I, and maybe that's why he took the fight against Alja. Because uh, he knew he was... Done after that. Well, he didn't even say anything about it, which is weird. I wonder if um, I wonder if the shoulder surgery didn't go yeah. out as well as he thought it would. But it seems like he just had it, so it's kind of odd to just... Come out and say you're retired. Which I don't know if that's the reason at all. It's obviously been a rough last four years for him. Um, you know, losing to Cejudo, then popping for EPOs, being suspended for two years, you know, being heavily criticized, you know, by the MMA community, including us, really. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. So we'll we'll touch on that next show. We plan to have a show, another episode out, um, either Thursday morning or Friday morning. But, um, Wow. That is something else to see Killershaw put, you know, hang it up. Because I definitely think he's got many, many more. I think he's got many years left, really. He looked good against um, Sanhagen. 
I yeah. Mean, I think I thought he lost that personally, but. But you're hanging with sand. You yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like Corey's nothing to. No, if you're hanging, hanging with the Sandman, you're doing pretty solid because he's top top five in my opinion at Bantamweight. That's wow. Well, that threw us for a loop. Um, so yeah, more to come on that in the coming episodes. But uh, if this if this is the end, what a career, really. Um, I know his legacy will always be marred by um, the failed drug test, and uh, you know, even well before he failed that drug test, there was rumors that he was doping. But goodness, I mean, he's just an excellent fighter. You know, a great young fighter that came into the UFC, and you know. Um, <clears throat> Won the title when he wasn't supposed to, um, and then had a rematch and won it again, and then you know lost it to uh, Cruz and had those wars with Cody Garbrandt, and that just seems so out of left field for me. I wonder if there's some family issues or. Yeah, I don't know that that was unexpected because he seemed like he wanted to get back in title contentions, and. I mean, no one knows when to hang it up more than the fighter themselves. But well, that's not always true though, because Chuck Liddell should have. But now you're going to hear Aljo talk about how he retired TJ to the show. Well, that, that, that set up perfectly for Aljo, who loves to, uh, you know, have a lot of unsubstantiated claims, in my opinion. That um, man hasn't had a, a, a valid win, in my opinion, yet. Well, the only valid win that... Uh, for the title, for, is what I'm saying. Well, you know, he did beat Peter Yawn. Yeah, well, I, I scored it on my scorecard. I thought that you could have gave it to Yon. It wasn't okay. very clear. Okay. So yes, he. I mean, he did win that second. Well, he won the belt in, um, you know, controversial, um, in a controversial decision by the referee. Uh, well, not really. It was just a controversial fight because Yon threw that blatant yeah. illegal knee after when, winning, like every round. Well, Aljo was about to quit. Yeah. Um, he didn't have much less than the gas tank, but, um, yeah. So. Anyway, we're getting off on the yeah. change. Anyway, that's that's wild. Um, Next fight, we had a uh, Clay Guida versus Scott Hot Sauce Hol- Holtzman mm-hmm. fighting out of Knoxville, right? Yes. Um, you know, I I picked Scott. I believe I picked Scott as well. In fact, he was one of my locks of the week because um, I constantly overlook Clay Guida. I mean, he is uh, <clears throat> he's forty years old. He's fought you know, well over 25 times in the octagon. Um, he's 38 and 19, and I just keep waiting for Father Time to tell him it's, he's, he's done. And then he steps in there with hot sauce and puts on a clinic, really. Um, he won a unanimous or a, a split decision, which I think it should have been a UD win, in my opinion. Um, I thought Scott looked the much bigger fighter, the much more in shape fighter, and that just really wasn't the case. You can't judge a fighter by his body, obviously, but... He was ripped. Yeah, he, I mean, he looked like a stud in there, and then uh, he looked a lot taller than Clay, and uh, but it just really didn't pan out that way. Um, Clay really controlled the wrestling. He out of the uh, three round fight, he had five minutes and thirty five seconds of control time. So when was Clay Gita? Like Clay Gita, I feel like he's he fights pretty often. Mm-hmm. So uh, his last fight was actually in August. So you're right. And then Scott hasn't fought in, since April or December. No, April tenth, twenty twenty one. Then he fought December third. Yeah, so it had been a year and a half. Well, I think um, I don't know why we didn't know this, but apparently this this was well known to potentially be Scott Holtzman's last fight in the UFC. Um, he kind of came into the game late. He uh, spent some time as a um, as a uh, semi pro uh, professional uh, hockey player. Um, yeah, so he played for the things like the Knoxville Ice Bears or something like that. He played a season with them. So um, and he was also a champion in the XFC. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. Um, but he he was coming off a three fight losing streak um, with his uh, not against Clay Guida, but he fought against Gamrot and Dariush and lost by knockout in both those fights. Which both are solid fighters. I was also I don't know again this is kind of just my fault, but I didn't realize how old he was. I mean he's thirty nine. Yeah, so he's up there too. Yeah, know. so um, I think they might have th- threw him a bone to kind of fight a fighter who they thought was on his level, you know, especially age-wise. But uh, yeah, he just got outworked and out wrestled, and it, it was just very clear that Clay Guida ran away with this thing. So, hate to see it. I like Scott. He's he's always a fun fighter to watch. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was it was a disappointment to be honest. Um, 
But yeah, Clay Guida just keeps the tires turning. And uh, wonder how much he's got left. Where does he go from here? Just another opponent like that. Well, I think he said he's gonna let his brother um, decide or something. I think they said something on the broadcast that he's gonna keep fighting until his brother tells him not to. And I mean, my goodness, I know he absorbed um, seventy or seventy or eighty so strikes in this fight, but. I don't think he was hurt ever. No. And he's fighting out of a great gym. Um, Team Alpha Mel, he's been there for quite some time. But, yeah, I mean, my my goodness, you know, I was I was very surprised by this fight. But um, that's just, just all the more credit to Clay Guida on that one. Um, and moving on to our next fight, we had Angela Hill versus um, Emily Ducate. Um, this fight did not go how I planned for it to go at all. I think it was the performance of Angela Hill's career. She landed 190 strikes on Ducate. Yeah, she was a totally different fighter. She, she won 30-27 across the board. Um, we said last week that, you know, just going by her record, win one, lose one, win one, lose one, she's 14-12 and 12 in her career, that we kind of were, you know, seeing like, okay, she she's making room for the next generation. But not in this fight at all. She completely dominated Ducate. Um, the entirety of the fight, and man, just really put on a clinic. Out of the 190 strikes, 182 were significant strikes. That's crazy. So that's incredible output. I saw a crazy stat. It was during the fight card. I think it was like going into the third fight on the main card. That they said if you put 10 bucks on all the underdogs, mm -hmm. um, I guess starting from Michael Johnson and up, then you would have won like. $54,000. Yeah, it was some crazy amount of money. And um, I think Michael Bisping even said that, like, somebody definitely took that. Yeah, I'm know. sure they had to. Yeah, I think I always dream I'm going to hit it big and quit my job and everything else off of a single fight bet. Um, but it never works out that way, of course, because parlays are dangerous. So, um, yeah, I mean, my goodness, though. Angela Hill just came out there and... Put on the performance of her lifetime, in my opinion, even though she didn't get the finish, and she's had knockouts before. Um, but 190 strikes for a 37-year-old, I mean, very impressive. Where does she go from here? I'm sure she goes, gets another. I think she's going to fight another person that's kind of outside the top 15 there. I mean, you know, like we touched on, she is 15 and 2, um, or 15 and 12. <laughs> yeah, big difference. But, um, yeah, we'll just see if she can put together some wins here. Um, I don't expect Ducate to be out of the UFC either. Um, so it will be interesting to see what uh, matchups these fighters get going forward. And the, um, did they fight at uh, Strawweight? They fought at Strawweight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. a stack. Not stack, but up top. It's heavy. It's top a top-heavy car. It's a top-heavy division, for sure. With, you know, Whaley, Esparza, Rose. Um, you know, they just yeah. lost Yolanda. So. Yeah, and then, I don't know how you pronounce it, but the Z... Oh, um, um, she, she's another Chinese fighter, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah, she's up there too. That might be the matchup they make next. It yeah, depends on when Rose wants to get back in there. That's true. So. I saw also something about, I'm uh, trying to go off subject, but Carla's wanting to fight. Um, she wanted to bump up and fight Valentina. I think she's just ducking Rose again, but do what you want. <laughs> you can't beat Rose, I, I doubt you beat Valentina. Yeah, right yeah. All right. Well, was that the last fight on the undercard? I believe so. Because I know Nico Price and uh, Mark Marty, uh, Mark Rowe were supposed to uh, fight on the undercard, but I think... I think it got okay. <laughs> so I was watching Clay Guida's walkout, and he's like dancing and stopping and dancing, and then he's got to do the whole face slap thing, and I was like, I bet the UFC producers are ticked right now, because he's taking like a lot of time to do this. So I wonder if... Um, they just kind of have ran into a time squeeze, and they just decided to move up Price and Rowe. But, uh, yeah, going into the next fight, what a war this was. Um, Mark Rowe finishes um, Nico Price in the uh, third round uh, with about a minute and a half left in the fight. Um, I thought he looked great, but um, the stats are heavily in favor of Nico Price. He had 150 strikes to uh, Mark Rowe's 64. I do think a lot of those came in the third round when he was gassing himself out, like, Nico Price was a zombie in there right before he got finished. He could hardly lift his arms. He went for the finish too early. Uh, he should have waited on because Nico had him rocked. He had him super rocked. Um, and then just gassed himself out. And we kind of touched on last podcast um, that we uh, were not 
um, aware of uh, how of, of Mark Rowe and how his um, you know how he was as a fighter. It's actually Phil Rowe. I don't know why I keep saying Mark. Probably because he just brought up Mark Rowe. Maybe, maybe Phil Rowe. Sorry, apologize for that. Yeah, but I mean, quite a signature win. Uh, they kept shouting out his mother on the broadcast because it's, um, I guess it's uh, Giving Week for the Bee Foundation or something like that. And uh, his mother is actually fighting two forms of cancer right now. So, um, you know, shout, you know, thoughts and prayers out to his mother and her her, uh, her battle with cancer right now. Um, but yeah, he definitely made his mother proud and came in there and got the finish. I thought Nico left for broke. We love watching Nico fight because every fight is a war and it's very entertaining. Um, I also thought Phil Rowe looked a lot bigger than Nico Price in there as well. So, um, you know, I, love, I, I definitely love Nico Price. He moves to 15 and 6 while uh, Mr. Rowe moves to 10 and 3. Great fight to start. Yeah, that was a great fight. And, uh, um, you know, going into the next fight, I was absolutely wrong about this fight as well. I thought Dawkins was going to uh, handle Anders over the course of three rounds, and that could not have been further from the truth. I should have stuck with the with the Alabama boy. You know, yeah. he played for Alabama, I think, back in 2012 or 2014, something like that. He was on a national championship team for Alabama. But uh, I thought Kyle Dawkins would get the job done because I thought he was going to bounce back. Cause I think last fight he had a mm -hmm. broken orbital broken orbital bone. Yeah, well, he fought a, um, Roman... Daladize? Yeah, yeah. That's who, that's who fought right after him, and we'll get into him in just a minute. But, yeah, just, I feel like Dawkins just was not prepared for the power that Anders brought. As soon as he hit him the first time and dropped him, I mean, the fight was completely different. I mean, I thought Dawkins looked like, his legs looked huge in there. I thought he was going to piece Anders up, but Anders bounces back, and, you know, has a great finish, a great performance, maybe even the performance of his career. Yeah, he was um, solid. Yeah, man. he did, and he fought a solid opponent in Dawkins. And, um, you know, it was just uh, it was just a surprise to me. I just really thought Dawkins was going to show more in this fight, but, um, you know, certainly Anders handled business for sure. The group chat. The yeah, I know. The group chat just started talking about TJ retirement. I'm going to tell him we're covering it on the cast right now. Um Speaking of Dawkins, I think his brother fights next. This coming up weekend. Does he? Does he fight at 282? I think so. Okay. Um, awesome. I'll double check that while we're looking at it. But yeah, he fights. Yeah, he fights Jarzino Rosenstrup. So Ooh. Probably another L for, for Dawkins. I Maybe. don't know. It just depends. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Dawkins is good, though. I, I, do, I do like Chris Dawkins. I think that's just a really good matchup, in my opinion. But we'll, we'll talk more about that later in the week. Um, so, yeah. Um, just kind of an interesting fight. Um, Dawkins moves to 11-4. Anders moves to 15-7. and seven. Um, Just not at all how I thought the fight was going to go. And I also didn't think the next fight was going to go the way it did. I mean, at first, it was uh, Jack Hermanson versus um, Roman Dalaze. Dalaze. They kept saying it. I tried to listen to the broadcast and get, get the name right. But it's like it leaves me as soon as his fight's over. Um I've never seen a fight end this way in my life. It looked absolutely brutal on Hermanson with the calf slicer into the full mount from the back and to finish him with strikes. He couldn't go anywhere. He was a mouse in a trap. Yeah, I would have tapped. You know, I would have tapped he, immediately. That jump would hurt. Yeah, and I, the fact that he just... I, I don't know. Um, I thought Jack was winning the fight every minute of the fight up until he got caught. Um, it was very clear in the second round that... Uh, um, it was very clear in the second round to me that uh, once he got him to the ground in the second round that uh, there was something different. Um, Dalaze was going for submission after submission after submission, and he finally got one in an unorthodox way, and he got that calf slicer. And uh, You could tell immediately that Jack Hermanson was in a ton of pain, and then Dalaze was just able to flip. I've never seen anyone mount somebody in a calf slicer. And no. finish with strikes. I mean, it was probably it was one of the more bizarre finishes I've ever seen. It was just pure class on the part of Roman. Like they said on the broadcast, they're about to be teaching that in every gym. I know. It's, it's yeah, I've never seen it before. Yeah, and there was even a time. There was even a, I knew he was different on the ground when I saw him uh, get his leg. It was in the first round, but he got his. He was on the on his back again, and he got Hermanson to roll, 
when he got his his left leg under his chest, and he just flipped his whole body. Yeah. Um. So, I, this fighter's different for sure. That's two back to back KOs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, man, it's actually three. He actually three? knocked out Kyle Dawkins. Yeah. Oh, we we talked about that. Yeah. yeah. And then um, he uh, also early in October he knocked out Phil Hawes as well. Um, Solid fighter. Yes, yeah, definitely knocked him out at the end of the first round. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think Roman is Roman moves to, what, sixth in the division? And when he was unranked? Yeah. Um, so that's just more blood at light heavyweight for sure. It seems like light heavyweight is being run by anyone but Americans at this point. Is so that, Is that light heavyweight? Yeah, it's light heavyweight. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, no, 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 no. It has him listed. I'm sorry. It had him listed as a light heavyweight, but... This fight was at middleweight, so I, I don't know what I was thinking. I knew he started off at like Yeah, so it's actually, he moves to sixth in the middleweight division. The only reason, no, you're good. The only reason I thought about that is because I knew Darren Kill was supposed to fight Hermanson at one point. And Hermanson's always been a middleweight, so I, I'm not sure what I thought. Well, I'm sure this dude could fight him. <laughs> lightweight, light heavyweight, if he wanted to. But Yeah, and the Joker just runs into another, you know, just absolutely stout opponent. He's actually traded out victories. And losses over the last five fights. In December 2020, he lost to Marvin Vittori by unanimous decision. Then he um, won a fight against um, Edmund Shahabizan. Um, he's a solid fighter. Shabazian. Yeah, Shabazian. Sorry, I knew I said it wrong. And then he lost a split decision to Sean Strickland. And then won a unanimous decision against Chris Curtis. And comes out there and was really putting on quite a performance, in my opinion. He won that first round, in my opinion. He was winning the fight until he got caught in that slicer. And uh, he's finished in the second round with a minute left. And man, I just I've never seen anything like that in my life. I wonder if they'd give uh, Vittori uh, Dolan the next. No, he's not fighting Whitaker, is it? That's Paulo. That's yeah, that's Paulo fighting. Uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think Vittori has a fight yet. So that would be a pretty. I think that would be a good matchup, to be honest with you. Because they both have beaten Jack Hermanson at this point, so kind of a logical thing, especially with Vittori and. Um, not booked you know, yet. Not booked for a fight. So, yeah, that'd be interesting. And, uh, man, just what a fight. It was really good. Um, it was interesting to see um, how the fight ended. And, uh, yeah. This be... next fight was the one I was looking forward to the most and the one that let me down the most. Um, you had Ty Tuvasa versus Sergey Pavlovich. Pavlovich. I was saying Pavlovich. It's actually Pavlovich. So we were close. Pavlovich. Yeah, we didn't butcher it quite as bad as we could have. But, um, you predicted. I, I just had a feeling. Um, you know, looking at Pavlovich, his uh, last like six fights, um, he's only had one loss, and that's to uh, Overeem, Alistair Overeem. So you know, just a titan in the heavyweight division for quite some time. Um, but in his last, um, <clears throat> in his last five fights, they've all come by knockout. Um, in his last two fights, he he's knocked the opponent out under a minute. So he knocked out Taito Voss, and then the fight before that, he knocked out Derek Lewis in 55 seconds. So yeah. this guy's a monster. I've never seen a heavyweight punch as fast as him. He's almost punched. It's like his punching speed's that of like a lightweight out there, and it just it overwhelmed Taito Voss. The tie only landed two strikes the entire minute. So Yeah, I saw Ty get dropped, and I knew for a second. I was like, uh, either number one, this dude's chin is gone after several games, but then, then I thought to myself, maybe this dude is just that, that hard-hitting and that fast because he looked shocked. Like, he didn't even realize that he got hit yet. Yeah. Like, he dropped. It's like the Eddie Alvarez effect when he talked about getting hit by Marvirga. Like, he didn't even know what he got hit by until he went back and watched on the replay. Yeah, it, it was just a very impressive performance. He actually asked Dana to give him the 50 Gs. Um, I think he earned it, for yeah, sure. For sure. I didn't see who got the bonuses. Did you? Um... No, uh, I mean I saw it, but I can't remember. I mean I can already name. imagine you got fight of the night, but yeah, sure. I was wondering who you got for one of those. So who, where does he go from here? Like you got to think, you got the heavyweight division. You got Francis sitting out. You got they're Mark. They're trying to book him versus John Jones. If not, they get so first place. It just depends on what they want to do with Pavlovich. Do they want to fast track him to the title? I mean it's kind of locked up right now at the top with. Francis, but um, the only person I could think of that's not booked is Stipe, but I don't think Stipe takes this. Why would Why would he want to? No. It just doesn't make it doesn't make much sense. Stipe's a draw, and Pavlovich 
is fighting is a killer, and I, I don't think it'd be a smart business decision. I think he destroys Stipe Miocic, oh, but me too. you know, um, I do think a fighter like Curtis Blades would be his biggest test going forward, and then obviously, you know, when he gets to fight, um, if he did get to fight Francis Ngannou, that would be kind of a is, battle um, of the titans. Tom Aspinall is not heavyweight, but he's light. He's <coughs> Tom Aspinall is he's light heavyweight. Light heavyweight. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Then, yeah, I don't know where to go with Sergey. Um, Something big next, though. Yeah, sure. I mean, this guy, it was just, nobody finishes Taito like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, no one finishes Derek Lewis like that. And uh, he did it both times. So Quickly. Um, and, yeah, in, the, in his last two fights, he, um, he actually... In his last two fights, he has absorbed six total strikes. That's like so, Hamza. I know, it, except with punches. So, um, yeah, it'll be um, fun to see who they set him up with next. Um, and I definitely wouldn't want to be his next opponent, though, no. for sure. Because when you look at a fight that ends like that so quickly, um, there's not a lot to go on, really, because he just blitzed him with punches and then it was over. So... He ain't lost. Like you said he ain't lost since 2018. To yeah, over him and what was probably a fluke finish by Overeem. And that I'm assuming that was his first fight. That was his UFC debut. Was it? Because it says he was a champion. Yeah, I think he was a champion in KSW. Is that where he was a champion? Let me see here. Yes, FNG. I don't know what FNG is. FNG Global Fight Nights Global. Um, um, so I don't know much about that. So yeah, he lost his UFC debut and then went on a tear. One, two, three, four, five, five fights in the street. Yeah, this guy's legit and he may very well be, um, the champion one day. And he also fights out of a really good gym. He fights out of American Top Team. In all KOs, which mm -hmm. is crazy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, um, I don't know where Tai Tsubasa goes from here. I figure you just give him another top 15 matchup and, you know, Keep promoting him. I don't think he lost much stock in this fight. If I was him, I'd take time, take a month, and then try to get on that off credit card. Maybe, maybe that's rushing him. Maybe he doesn't get on that one. I probably wouldn't put him on it just because of how. I mean, he was, he was KO'd. Yeah, know? that's true. Uh, but, I mean, and we've seen the UFC take some heat before, um, most notably with like Michael Bisping when he got choked out by GSP, and then he fought three weeks later and got flatlined by Kelvin Gastelum. I mean, that wasn't a good look. So. I don't. I think they try to avoid that now. Um, if anything, I think they should have waited and booked this fight for the Australia card. But they didn't, and here we are. Um, so uh, moving on to the next fight, we had a flyweight bout. We kind of, kind of were very, um, um, not very respectful of the flyweight division last time, um, and kind of called it, you know, not it's not much of a draw that division in general. Um, you know, especially with uh, Moreno and Figueredo four, and then Henry Cejudo is obviously going to fight Aljo next. So um, it seems like there's not much attention going on, to be honest. But we had a really good fight here with Matt Schnell and uh, Matthias 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 Nicolau. Nicolau, um, he looked like a beast in there. It's very clinical fight. He had two knockdowns, and uh, he ended up finishing Matt Schnell. Um, with uh, about three minutes to go in round two, um, he moves to nineteen and three. While Matt Schnell moves to sixteen and seven. I mean, I think Matt Schnell looked absolutely outclassed in this fight. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, and I knew the UFC. We talked about it last time. The UFC mm-hmm. must be high on the seat. Yeah, because he was heavily favored. He was that high on the card. He's above Tajibov. Mm-hmm. So Sergey. So they must be trying to move this guy up. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah, I don't think he disappointed either. I thought he put on a clinic, and I thought he looked spectacular doing it. I thought his strikes were great. I thought he was entertaining. And I believe Matt Schnell was number six. In the yes. So he, he should get a top five opponent next, probably. Mm-hmm. They was a six and seven, Yeah, I believe. So, um, yeah, only way is up. In fact, Nicolau called for, uh, he said he was ready for a title fight after that. I don't know if they give him a title fight, but I don't know, maybe. We'll probably get the winner of um, who is it, Perez and um, Taikara. Yeah. French, yeah. The, and then uh, the the winner of uh, Nicolau and that winner would be the, would get the next title shot. If so. there's not number three, that's right, five. Right. <laughs> so 
yeah, it was a, it was an entertaining fight. Um, I thought Nicolau looked awesome. He actually asked for 50 Gs too. I hope he and Sergey got it. But um, um, just an entertaining fight and definitely some you know some revitalization hopefully of the flyweight division. <sighs> this next fight did not go the way I anticipated. I was very high on on Brian Barberina going into this fight, and um, yeah, he just looked uh, outclassed by Dos Anjos. Um, Dos Anjos wrestled the whole fight. It seems like I always forget that Dos Anjos can really wrestle. And um, he just completely took control of the fight. He finished the fight in round two um, with about a minute left. Um, he can had control time for six minutes and 36 seconds of like a uh, of like an eight-minute fight. So Going back, I figured I'd look it up. So the performance of the night bonus went to Roman... Daladize mm-hmm. and Sergey Pavlovich. 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 I, I gotta get his name right. And then the fight of the night, obviously, Thompson versus Holland. So Nicolau actually didn't get a bonus. I think those are fair, though. I mean, yeah. those are crazy. And unfortunately, sometimes if you're on a boring card, you can get a bonus thrown at you for a good performance. But unfortunately for Nicolau, this this card was stacked. It was a great card. Yeah, the whole main card was finishing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so uh, back to the Barberino Dos Anjos fight. I don't think Brian could ever really get going. Um, I felt like a lot of people landed 61 strikes, but a lot of those just came in garbage time. Um, not really garbage time, but just kind of ineffective punches on the ground that he was throwing from the bottom. So, in fact, you can kind of tell that because 61 out of 61 total strikes, only 14 were significant. So a lot of those were just kind of, you know, laying on his back and punching the side. Yeah, uh, Anjos, Yeah, just wrist punches. and um, Yeah, and Dos Anjos just keeps doing the damn thing. And so. then, then he caught up the, the notorious Conor McGregor. I doubt he gets that fight. I doubt he gets that fight, but I think that was an excellent move. Oh, no, it's a solid call out to history in the past. Yeah, and then, you know, you can kind of build this fight because it was supposed to happen, and then... Um, you know, Dos Anjos had an injury and had to be pulled, which led us to the great um, Diaz and oh, yeah, yeah it was the fight. Diaz and uh, McGregor fights, which we got two of those. Hopefully, we'll get a third. I still think that's the fight to make if when McGregor returns. But yeah, there's a lot of people calling his name out. So um, well, and they they always will until he officially hangs it up, and it's been about five years. So. Uh, Thompson called him out too. Did he, he, really? he didn't call him out, but he said in, on the Arrow Hawani show, he said that there's several options out there. He either wants to fight Conor McGregor, the DMS, or Jorge Masvidal, or uh, Michelle Fajeda. I think him fighting, I think Wonderboy fighting uh, Jorge makes a lot of sense. If I'm McGregor, I would stay 100 miles away from that fight with Wonderboy. For sure, for sure. Um, but RJ had a solid call out. Especially yeah. that he's at 170 and he went back at 170. Yeah, and you know Connor does not want to cut back down to 145 or even 155. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I think it was a solid call out by those Andrews, and who knows, maybe he'll get, maybe he'll win the lottery and get that fight. I definitely think he would give McGregor problems, but I think it's a good matchup too because I think McGregor could finish him. Oh yeah, I think so too, especially with the way he wrestled against Habib. He stuffed Habib in the first round. Yep, and, and he actually handed Habib his only round loss ever. I know it's unofficial because we didn't go to the judges' scorecards, but um, I thought he won that second round. You know? Yeah, so I think that I think that McGregor would win that fight if he comes back the same. Now you never know how somebody's going to. And I do think it's in the UFC's best interest to give him an established fighter, but also one that he could win. He could win against. So. And then he called up Poirier. They've been beefing again on. Twitter. I don't know if you saw Man, beefing with everybody, it seems like. Um, he's in the hospital right now, too. Yeah, he's got a really bad staph infection, yeah. and after 24 hours, his antibiotics are not really, he's not really responding, so it's getting a little scary, I think. Um, obviously, we think he's going to pull through, but um, yeah, just another MMA story to kind of look out for. He's giving updates on his Twitter as it goes, so, you know, prayers out to him. Hopefully, he recovers soon. Um, I don't know where Bam Bam goes from here. He probably just goes back to another um, another journeyman type fighter because um, he is very entertaining, but he's just not a wrestler, man. So um, want to get a stylistic matchup. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, he has eleven knockouts in his career to two submissions. One of those submissions coming the Sage Northcut as well. So um, all that time ago, which was probably the first fight I saw Bam Bam fight in. So. Um, be interesting to see where he goes from here. Um, but now, moving on to 
one of the best fights I've ever seen, period. Um, you know, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Kevin Holland. I mean, what a war. Um, I think it's honestly, when I was when I was texting you after the fight, I was thinking that this might be one of the top ten just all-around performances that I've ever seen out of an individual fighter. I mean, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is 40 years old. He's older than Jim Miller, Nick Diaz, and Tony Ferguson. I mean, this guy has, is just seems ageless almost in a way. And what a fight to come back and just really show his skills. Um, luckily, I will say he did fight Kevin Holland, who seemed very reluctant to wrestle. In fact, anytime Kevin Holland was on top of him, he told him to stand up until, you know, about round three or four when uh, he was like, you know what, I'm getting picked apart here. I need to shoot for takedowns. But by that time, it was too late for Holland, who was already gassed and broken in many ways with his, you know, obviously, um, he, he told us after the fight that um, his hand was broken, or he thought he broke his hand in the first round. It turns out he shattered his hands. Yeah, um, three. He, three, uh, three bones um, on his uh, right hand were smashed from the first round on, and I mean, he was still throwing haymakers with it, so I can only imagine the type of pain he was in, and what type of reconstructive surgery he's going to have for that hand. Yeah, I wonder if he retires officially after this fight. I doubt it, but... Well, he shouldn't, but I mean, he should probably just take a year off. I mean, my goodness, what a fight, what a performance by him as well. Um, he, I did think he only won, won the first round where he, he knocked down, or where he uh, stunned Wonderboy. He actually didn't get credited for a knockdown, but... Um, yeah, I mean, just an absolute war. Um, Steven Thompson landed 178 strikes to Kevin Holland's 123. Um, the fight was a stop, a doctor stoppage after round four. I think that was a really good stoppage. Actually, it was a corner stoppage. Yeah, corner call for it. But I, you can tell that when the fans aren't booing, when a corner throws in the flag, throws in the towel, rather, um, how good the fight was. And I think they knew he was done. In that fourth round, he was just kind of standing there being a punching bag for Steven Wonderboy. And what a chin that Kevin Holland has as well. That dude took countless head kicks. Spinning kicks, um, scissor kicks. Uh, uh, you know, kind of going back to uh, the Pierce fight with uh, with uh, Darren Elkins, it seemed like no matter what Wonderboy was throwing, it wasn't going to drop Kevin Holland. Um, so I think both fighters... Um, Obviously, Stephen Wonderboy has been at the top of the division before, top of the UFC. Um, he's always going to be an exciting fighter, even when he loses. You know, when I think back to Anthony Pettis' fight, I think that was a lucky punch that Pettis landed. I think he was winning that fight handedly uh, before that happened. But, man, I mean, just, it was a master class performance. It was beautiful. The camaraderie that these fighters had um, was something you will rarely see in the octagon. Um, just the the pro standing up, um, you know, it, it was a it was a fans fight. Just put it that way. And looking at the when I first saw that they announced this, in my mind I was like, it's going to go either one or two ways. Either Holland is going to catch him, or he's going to eventually end up wrestling, probably tap, not tap, but force Steve one. Yeah, and I picked Holland to uh, knock him out. He did look like the bigger fighter, but um, no, I mean step for step, I thought Stephen Thompson was right there with him, or, you know, obviously he exceeded him at the end of the fight, but, I mean, my goodness, I mean, the output, and Steven was, Steven's face was a bloody mess as well, um, and just for him to go out there and continually throw crazy strikes, something he's known for, the kicks, the punches, the counterattacks, I mean, and then Kevin Holland throwing bombs as well with a broken hand, I mean, you couldn't have asked for any more in a uh, main event fight, for sure, um, I can't say enough good things about this fight for both both fighters. I feel like both of their stock increases after this fight, and, and maybe even more so Kevin Holland's, because it was just wow, what a warrior, you know. Yeah, the only way that I could see this fight getting better was if Jack Black actually walked Stephen Wonderboy out, like he said he was gonna do. But then he something came up, but it'd been nice. He still walked out to uh, Tenacious D's one yeah, song, yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah. yeah, solid fight though all around. The whole fight card itself, but this fight especially, no question about fight of the night. Um, I, I feel like I, I can't say enough good things about both these fighters. Um, you know, we did touch on that Kevin Holland. That there were several like um, almost judo throws in a way, um, where and then Kevin Holland got right back up, 
And then there was lots of glove touches, which some fans don't like that because, like, just you're fighting, like, just get down to business. But I don't, I didn't mind it this fight, and it just, like I said, I can't put together the words to express just how much I enjoyed this fight. I was actually visiting a friend in Atlanta at the time, and it was about one thirty in the morning when this fight ended, and I was wide awake, and I stayed up probably another hour afterwards because I was just buzzing from how great it was. Yeah, those are the best kind of fights too. But I would I would much rather them slap hands than stay on the ground and lay on top of each other. So I yeah. respect that. Yeah, it, and I think uh, another thing you can respect is um, it, there's something to be said for fighters who go for broke and it doesn't feel like they're worried about losing. They're more con- concerned about putting on a good show. Um, for instance, we kind of see that with Darren Elkins sometimes, even though more than not he's overpowered. But um, another, I can't think of another fighter off the top of my head. Um, that just goes for broke. Um, Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler. You know, Michael Chandler has a losing record in the UFC right now, but he's going to fight his his energetic stand up, slug him out style, no matter what. And uh, I can really appreciate that in Kevin Holland, who I think would have the wrestling advantage over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. But um, he kept standing up. I thought it was a. I was a little uh, upset when I saw him start shooting for takedowns. At the end, um, just because I'm like, oh, don't don't shoot for takedowns now because you've had your chances. But um, I think he was so tired, and if, if anything, he was just trying to minimize the damage he was taking. Yeah, no, for sure. But yeah, solid fight fight night. I think it was probably one of the best ones I've ever watched fight night wise. Um, it felt like a pay per view. Yeah, it so, really did. Um, speaking of pay per view, yeah. So uh, coming up. Um, next, this, uh, week, like I said earlier, probably Thursday morning or Friday morning, we'll have a new episode out, um, going up, previewing UFC 282, a very exciting card as well. We have some fighters on there that, uh, we're really excited to cover, um, even some fighters that we live pretty close to. So, um, and, and in fact, a lot of the fights on the card, uh, we talked about in a previous podcast, they're top 10 fights from the rest of the year. So, um, a lot to look forward to and, uh. Yeah, I guess we're ready to wrap this one up. Unless you got something else, bro. No, that's it. Uh, we'll see y'all later this week. And a uh, big shout out to Elliot Burgess um, providing the tunes for the intro and outro. Um, you can find his music on uh, Apple Music and Spotify. And go check out his YouTube channel. Um, he just released a, a new video. And uh, yeah, just go get, show him some love. And thank you guys so much for listening. Coming around here So tough on me to watch you